Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke a game week edition here, Gabby. It's finally arrived. Miami against Alabama is this week. Uh, we are recording this 3.15 on Monday afternoon. Just got through with press conferences with Manny Diaz, Rhett Lashley, and defensive line coach Jess Simpson. Miami's released their depth chart. Alabama's released their depth chart. I watched a little bit of the Nick Saban press conference here as well. Um, so plenty of stuff to get into, uh, but Gabby, let's just start here, man. How excited are you that football season's finally here? We finally, we've done a lot of talking yeah. about what this, this Miami Hurricanes team is going to be. We finally get to see it in action this Saturday. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm excited. I mean, this is what I look forward to every year, man. I mean, I feel like that's why we're here, right? I'm sure everyone tuning in is, uh, is, has been waiting on this moment and, Man, I'm just ready to see some some Miami football. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, so this will be kind of a quicker podcast probably. I mean, we'll see what kind of conversation we have. But really just want to touch on the main news and nuggets and uh, maybe share some of our thoughts on that stuff here. So let's just get into it. Let's start, I guess, with kind of the injury news and get that out of the way. Um, Manny Diaz announced he, he – uh, termed it long-term injuries and short-term injuries. So long-term injuries, I'm not sure if that necessarily means done for the season, but most likely done for the majority of the season, right? Yeah. He said offensive lineman John Campbell, who is a tackle, who would have figured into the depth at uh, offensive tackle for the Hurricanes this year. Um, he is a long-term injury. So hopefully he can get back and ready to go because he will factor into the starting lineup probably next year in 2022. Uh, he also named Brian Balaam a safety, a second year freshman safety at a Miramar high school. He was another guy that was going to factor into the two deep. Um, I think he would have been a backup safety and he is out for a long period of time now. He also mentioned uh, edge freshman, true freshman edge rusher Thomas Davis, who I don't think was going to factor much into the playing time this year, but hopefully Thomas has a speedy recovery for whatever is sidelining him for a long period of time. Short-term injuries, uh, the, the person of interest there, Manny Diaz mentioned Sam Brooks, uh, the linebacker who is dealing with toe issues. Um, dating back to last season, quite frankly. Uh, he's still not quite totally back from that issue, but Manny Diaz believes he will be back at some point during this 2021 season. He also named tight end Dominic Mamarelli um, as, a, as being out for a short-term injury as well. I think Dominic probably 
projects as a situational player. Maybe if, if Miami wants to go into some heavy sets, uh, get an extra blocking tight end in there. Dominic would see the field when he is made available. So those are the injured guys. Let's move on to Avante Williams now, Gabby. Yeah. Um, Miami released a statement on Sunday night, essentially saying uh, he is welcomed back to the team officially, uh, but he does need to meet certain benchmarks. Sounds like he has to go through some some courses and, and all that stuff uh, to maybe learn from what was alleged against him, etc. Manny was asked, Manny Diaz was asked, how long will Avante be out? And Manny said he will be out six games. Uh, so basically a half season suspension. Uh, what do you make of this, Gabby? And, you know, what does that mean? I guess uh, from a football standpoint uh, in the secondary for these first six games. Yeah. Um, I mean, just off the bat, I feel like that makes sense. I feel like, I mean, on the last pod, I feel like we generally assumed like that would probably be the the time. Like we said after the bye week, which would have been North Carolina. So one more week after that, I mean, Manny Diaz kind of touched on it too. It'd be kind of hard for him to get back on the field or any earlier, really, sure. just because he has missed all of that training camp. He definitely needs to get back in with Feely. I feel like there is going to be an adjustment period there. I'm not sure ever, let's say everything was all perfect. Just on the time he missed alone, I don't think Alabama or Appalachian State or really Michigan State for that matter was probably a realistic time frame for him to really get on the field, um, just from a, in terms of being a, in football shape. But you know, until then, um, you know, I think it's a. I think Miami's just kind of kind of figure it out at safety. I mean, I think Brian Balaam is a, a low key um, big loss. I mean, I thought I think he was gonna, definitely going to factor into the rotation back there. I think Manny Diaz also hinted that Amari Carter's probably going to have right. to slide to safety at times. So his more natural position that, you know, he sort of moved away from at striker. Um, so, you know, I think that's going to be interesting. We've seen Al Blades working at safety. So I do think there's a little bit more shuffling that has to be done at, at safety. I um, mean, we saw Cameron right. Kitchens and James Williams on there as well. So, you know, I think it affects the secondary in a, in a few different ways, but I mean, nothing that I don't think that they're prepared for at this point. Um, you know, maybe have to cross your fingers and hope some of the, some of these like other guys maybe overperform a little bit until Vontae Williams gets back. But I think once you do get him back, I mean, I think you're going to have a, a pretty good player on your hands and a nice little right. addition at the, at the halfway point. Yeah. I think, I think even though he is suspended for six games, right? Like that is official from a football standpoint, Miami fans should still view it as a bonus that they get him yeah. eventually this season. Cause I think, you know, up until what a week ago, 10 days ago, mm-hmm nobody expected Avante to be on the team period. Right. So um, I do agree with you that, you know, the depth at safety honestly is something to keep an eye on. I think moving forward, because if something happens to Bubba Bolden or Gervin Hall, I think there's kind of a, I don't know if it's a big drop off, but it it would be uncomfortable for me because I think Miami would then be turning to, some true freshman safeties, Cam Kitchen slash James Williams, who I think are, are very talented, uh, but are they ready right now to play? I don't know. And then I, I, I understand maybe Amari Carter needs to rotate in at safety sometimes, but my, my opinion on that is I think Amari needs to just be a striker. 100%. I think that's the best fit for him. So depth at safety is something to, to keep an eye on here in these first six games. Um, and again, hopefully Bubba Bolden and Gervin Hall can stay healthy 
uh, during that stretch. Let's move on. We've touched on it a little bit here at safety with the depth chart, but Miami did release their official quote unquote official depth chart going into this Alabama game. Uh, now Manny Diaz made it clear every coach, honestly, Rhett Lashley and Jess Simpson all made it clear that, you know, these depth charts are just uh, kind of for show purposes in terms of, yeah, they only list a two deep, but in some spots, Miami is three deep. Uh, and so there are guys that are not listed on this depth chart that will certainly factor into playing time against Alabama and moving forward. But with that being said, it still gives a valuable look at where things stand in terms of starters um, and, and what this staff feels about the players in general on this team. So quarterback, we'll just go position by position, right? Quarterback, I don't think there was any big surprise there, right? Derek yeah. King, starter, Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia listed as co-backups. They want those two guys to keep competing, honestly, through this time next year, right? When both those guys will be battling for the starting job. So keep the competition going there. I agree with that. Running back, right? I thought there might've been a chance. Like I know you and I have been hyping up Kim Harris yeah. uh, on the podcast and on the website In our minds from what we've seen, he's clearly been the best of the backs. I think up until, up until this point, the coaching staff has kind of pumped the brakes on that sometimes when they've spoken about the running back situation. Um, but on the depth chart that was released today, Cam Harris was clearly the starter. And then listed as co-backups were Don Chaney Jr. and Jalen Knight. What did you make of that? Did you like that move of, of Cam Harris being uh, singled out as the starter, the lead back, which Rhett Lashley has said he's wanted one to emerge this year? Yeah, I mean, I like it. Again, I, I feel like they want to have that guy. Again, I'm not. Sh I'm, I'm still not sold that it's going to be fully on Cam Harris at this point. Like, I'm not. I'm not sure that people in Miami are sold that you know Cam Harris is definitely the guy that they want to be the workhorse. I, I expect sure. him to be the guy off the bat, but I expect this to sort of be a, a just, I expect this competition to continue sort of, you know, throughout the fall, see who sort of gets hot throughout the year. And I think maybe at some point someone will definitely emerge could be Cam Harris, but um, I'm not like fully Let me sold ask that. You this. Cam Harris is the guy like hundred percent. Do you expect yeah. like, forget about how he performs with this amount of carries, but do you expect Cam Harris to get at least 15 carries against Alabama to show what he can do? Cause if you look at last year, he only got at least 15 carries, I think, in three games. So will he get that type of workload this week, you think? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think so. And that's just because I feel like, you know, I, I do think there is a chance Miami gets down and they're going to have to start spinning the ball around. Sure. I feel like that's sort of been the recipe to even if you want to beat Alabama, you got to sort of be able to throw the ball uh, a right. lot on them. And uh, I'm not sure if Cam Harris gets to 15 touches, honestly. I would probably take the under there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch there at that position. Uh, wide receiver, nothing real interesting there in my mind. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, one of the backup spots, right? Michael Redding was on the two deep instead of Mark Pope. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's much to read on that, to be honest. You know, Rhett Lashley even said, honestly, Mark Pope has been working more at the slot um, yeah. this year. And so... And in that regard, with the position change, he just understands the position a little less than Mike Harley and Xavier Restrepo. Um, but I guess Mike Redding 
in general, Gabby, like, what do you expect of him this year? Why do you think he is on the two deep? Man, I mean, he's probably, I mean, I'm looking at this list of guys, I think maybe outside of Mark Pope, I mean, at least of these guys here, I think Mike Redding might be the highest rated recruit out of these guys, right? At least of the six that we're looking at right here on the two deep. He's out there. Rambo, Keyshawn Smith, Michael Redding, Mike Harley, Xavier Restrepo. Like, I mean, I think this is a talented guy. I mean, they've talked about wanting to add size. And, you know, I think, I think David, you've mentioned he's the only receiver at six two over 200 pounds on the right. roster. Like, you know, I, th- I just think he brings something a little bit different. Um, you know, from what I saw about the fall, which I get, again, isn't a ton, but I feel like he was someone that was consistently linking up with Tyler Van Dyke, consistently making, you know, big plays on the outside. So honestly, not surprised to see Michael Redding on there. Uh, I think he could potentially be a guy that rotates in and gives Miami a spark, uh, you know, off the bench, uh, a guy that they could potentially go to, uh, you know, when they need some, some big yardage and they might, they might view him as a guy that they'd feel comfortable, like, you know, throwing him, throwing the ball in the air and see if he can go go up and get it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they view him as that sort of uh, offensive threat. And, uh, you know, just uh, you get him on, in a role and in a rhythm, his confidence goes up. I could see him being, a, you know, a real contributor. Yeah, to me, that's the value of Mike Redding is, is the big-bodied guy. He's not like the quickest accelerator, I yeah. would say, at receiver. Uh, but he, he's got a big, strong body. He can kind of make catches uh, with contact from cornerbacks, right? And I do, you know, in general, that's an area that Miami's receivers need to improve this year. And he is a guy that does have that potential. Uh, now he's got to do it in games. I think Redding also is an explosive jumper. So he does a nice job at high pointing the ball as well. And also to your point, Gabby, like when you look at the starters, they're all kind of uh, thinner guys, I would say, like Rambo, Smith, Harley. I'm not sure any of those guys are heavier than like 190, 185 pounds, even, um, you know, I don't think they're like super, super skinny, but yeah. it is, you know, you're going against Alabama, um, be super had, physical. right. Who has corners that, you know, push 200 pounds. Right. So to me, that's why Mike Redding has kind of cracked the two deep here. Cause he does bring that ability, uh, tight end. No real surprise here from what we've been seeing in camp or what we've been telling you all listeners, Will Mallory, the starter, Elijah Arroyo, the backup, uh, offensive line was interesting to me though. Yeah. Um, so left tackle, right. Zion Nelson, um, who Manny Diaz did say is good to go. That's what he says. Good to go this week. Um, you know, Zion has been missing some time during camp. I do know he, he worked. I, my understanding is primarily with the second team offense during their uh, quote unquote mock game that they held on Friday. Uh, so he played with the second team offense. Um, we'll see if he gets in there with the first team. I guess the step chart tells you he, he did well enough in that performance in the mock game to be listed as a first teamer. But to me, it's interesting, Gabby, because his backup on the two deep is Jared Williams, who last year was the primary starter at right tackle um, and has been working all pretty much most of camp, I guess I should say, at left tackle with Zion Nelson sidelined. Um, so I guess does this, the question, you know, not to do conspiracy theory stuff, right? <laughs> but does this make your antennas come up a little bit? Like, is it something that, that, intrigues you that Jared is listed as the backup left tackle and he's not listed as the backup right tackle. 
um, which could have been an easy move to make, I think. Just list him as the backup for both. Yeah, um, I, I definitely, antennas definitely went up. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, again, it, it, is Zion healthy? I mean, maybe is he healthy enough that they feel like, you know, definitely, you know, securing him? I don't know. I feel like Jared Williams wouldn't be the backup left tackle and right. not listed at all at right tackle if the expectation wasn't that Jared Williams is going to have to at least play a decent amount of snaps at left tackle. They're getting him ready for something. They're getting him ready. Exactly. Like, I think there's a plan there. Right. My understanding is there's confidence Zion will be ready, but it'll be close. So we'll see. Right. Uh, For now, he's listed as the first team starter at left tackle. That's a good sign. Right. So we'll take it at face value and, and just believe what we're told. Um, you know, right tackle starter, DJ Scaife. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? Because, you know, following the spring, we had heard from people um, around the program that DJ Scaife outperformed Jared Williams in the spring, according to the coaches, right? Um, so is this a surprise, number one? And I guess, number two, do you agree with it? Like, would you... Let's say Zion is perfectly healthy. Do you think DJ Scaife is be- is a better right tackle than Jared Williams? I I mean I don't. I mean my well, how I, don't I would either. view it. How I would view it. I think if Zion really does start, I think you'll see Jared Williams at right tackle. Um, again, this is one of those things that makes you think. And I don't know. If, like this might be by design. Like they might want everyone to just like, all right. So what are the mix and matches here? Like is DJ Scaife really going to start? And you know if he does, he's going to be the right tackle. Jared Williams is the left tackle. But if Zion starts, Jared Williams could go to right tackle. And I feel like, again, like what they're saying, this depth chart really could just be like window dressing. You know, they can just be like, be. this is what you see. And, uh, you know, what does it really matter? Because they can line up however they want, you know, when they come out against Alabama. So I'm not really sure what to make of it. But um, I, I would personally feel like Jared Williams is probably the right call at right tackle. I also find it interesting that Justice Aluation is listed at he's the UNLV transfer who has a guard height. I think he's got long arms. So his wingspan, he could get away with playing tackle, but he's listed as the backup right guard. And Kylie on Herbert is listed as the backup right tackle. I guess I'm just surprised Kylie on Herbert cracks the two deep (laughs) uh, from what we've seen at camp. Take that for what it's worth. Other thing to note, I think uh, at the offensive line, Ja'Kai Clark, uh, who's kind of missed a lot of camp with due to like, I think it was an off season car accident. Um, he's listed as the backup center, which is a good sign that, yeah. that he's back and, and providing that depth there. Um, also Cleveland Reed, who's missed some time. He's listed as a co-backup with Usman Treyor at the other guard spot. Uh, defensive line. Um, a lot of Miami fans aren't happy about this. Uh, Zach McLeod is a starter. Uh, were you surprised by that? Cause frankly, I wasn't, you know, I think Zach kind of embodies what this coaching staff likes in terms of the way he approaches the game and his maturity, uh, the way he works. So I think in, in some ways it's a reward for that. And to me, honestly, the bottom line with this, quite frankly, this whole defensive line, I don't know if the starter designation matters because I think it's going to be a group where the the rotation is fairly 50, 50 across the board. So Gabby, were you surprised Zach McLeod is a starter? 
And do you think it matters at the end of the day? Because I think he would have played the same, even if he was listed as a backup. Yeah, not, not surprised. I mean, I feel like we sort of hinted. I feel like Manny has been sort of hinting at it. I mean, we said on the last podcast, I mean, he was coming off like his best uh, right. performance of his Miami career and all that stuff. Uh, you know, I feel like this was sort of one of those things that he was sort of like teasing out there. Like this is probably going to be a thing. So in my head, I assumed Zach McLeod was going to be one of the defense, the starting defensive ends. So, I mean, I wasn't taking off. I honestly, at this point to be just completely transparent, I probably would have been more surprised if I saw like Chance Williams as a starting defensive end over Zach right. McLeod. So um, that's where I was with, with that already, like sort of like in my head at, at this point. And it seemed like uh, Jess Simpson kind of hinted that the three defensive ends of Jafari Harvey, DeAndre Johnson, Zach McLeod are slightly ahead of Chance Williams in terms of where where they are right now. I think Chance is going to play still a lot, but they kind of view those three guys as being slightly ahead of Chance. Defensive tackle, um, Nessa Silvera was, I would view this uh, kind of listed as a swing guy. Um, so he's a co-starter at both D tackle spots, one side with John Ford, the other side with Jared Harrison hunt. Um, I would not be surprised quite frankly, Gabby, if your starting defensive tackles are John Ford and Jared Harrison hunt from what I've heard. Like, I think those two have had the best camps. Now I think Nesta, you know, he had a good season last season and I don't think he necessarily had a bad camp. But I do think Ford and Harrison Hunt might have taken things to another level uh, this camp. And so that competition I find interesting. Jordan Miller listed as the backup at both spots. Again, I think I think there's going to be a fairly 50-50 type of rotation there on the inside. Anything to add there? No, nah, I think you nailed it. Linebacker, um, you know, nothing surprising from what we've seen at middle and weak side with Corey Flagg, the starting middle. Keontre Smith, uh, starting weak side striker though. I mean, it, it was, it's a little surprising to see it black and white, but I think, you know, it wasn't like shocking because we had seen Amari Carter and Gilbert Frierson split reps with the first team. And it seemed like in recent weeks, it had been mainly Amari Carter. What do you make of that? Do you like it? Do you like Amari Carter as your starting striker over Gilbert? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just – I think I put, I posted on one of, like, the VIP observations. Like, I thought that was, like, quietly, like, the, like, best competition in terms of just, like, two, like, legitimate right. talents going after it. I mean, again, I think that you're going to see a lot of Gilbert Frierson. I think you're going to see a lot of Amari Carter. I think that they're very, you know, flexible in terms of just, like, how you're able to utilize each of them in different situations. I mean, I, I would expect them – both those guys to continue competing and maybe based on the personnel – uh, of like any given team on the schedule, like I could see that flip flopping. Right. Like you know, maybe Amari Carter's a better fit to handle you know this sort of offense, and Gil while Gilbert Frierson is a better fit to you know stop this this type of offense. So I think it could just be one of those things where you know you feel comfortable having both those guys, and then if you have to move Amari Carter, Carter to safety, like we were mentioning earlier, I mean you still have a, I mean Gilbert Frierson who started every game at striker last year uh, to sort of step in there. So you know I think it's a win win situation. My read on it is I think they like the physicality Amari brings to that striker position. And, you know, the big point of emphasis this year with the defense is improve against the run. And so I think they like, they feel like Amari helps in that regard. Uh, today during the press conference, Manny Diaz um, said he feels like 
the linebackers, Corey Flagg and Keontre Smith, have are playing faster than the linebackers they had last year. And he, he broke it down in, in terms of, he said Keontre Smith is just straight up fast uh, the way he runs and, and finds the ball, whereas Corey Flagg is fast with his speed of thought. So we'll see how that translates, right? Uh, I'm kind of in wait-and-see mode at the linebacker level with this defense, and uh, they will certainly have a big test this week against Alabama. Corner, or sorry, secondary, um, you know, corner, they listed to Corey Couch and DJ Ivy as co-starters with Tyreek Stevenson at both corner spots. Um, what do you make of that? Like, I think the way I view it, I think they're just going to, I think Tyreek Stevenson might be a guy that just lines up at a different, at a lot of different spots. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I, I feel like Tyreek Stevenson is going to be sort of like a, just one of those guys, like what you mentioned, just a versatile guy that they're going to put in a bunch of different spots and give a bunch of different looks with Tyreek Stevenson on the field. I would expect all three of those guys to play a lot. If I'm betting on who the outside corners are going to be at this point, I'd probably go Ivy and couch based on just like what we've right. seen at practice. But I mean, I would expect Tyreek Stevenson to, you know, play some of the slot, you know, to be a guy right. that's just like on the field constantly. They're going to play, safe. they're probably going to play more than four DBs. I imagine like, you know, I feel like right. they, they give a lot of looks like that. And Al Blades listed as the backup there, which kind of makes sense as he gets back into the swing of things with his various, uh, you know, things he's coming back from. I do think he's going to play a fair amount of snaps as well. Safety, we, we've kind of touched on it, but again, Bubba Bolden, Gervin Hall, the starters, the backups listed there, James Williams and Camp Kitchens, who are true freshmen. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about Camp Kitchens. He, I believe, was leading the team at interceptions and practices during the preseason. They're very excited about his instincts and just football IQ. Um, James Williams, you know, freaky talent physically. I'm not sure those guys are ready to get on the field now, which, again, um, if something happens to Bubba Bolden or Gervin Hall, I think that means we would see Amari Carter. And I think, honestly, we, we might even see Al Blades before those true freshmen. Um, but well, hopefully we don't have to go down that road. Um, special teams, um, you know, to me, I'm just interested in the starters at returner there. Uh, kick return, Mike Harley and Xavier Restrepo. Punt return, they have Tyreek Stevenson as the starter. What's your thoughts, particularly on punt return, which is a big area, in my opinion, Miami needs to be a lot better at this year than they were last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Tyreek Stevenson is just like, I just think you just put good football players back there and, you know, it tends to work out. You know, I don't think Tyreek Stevenson's a probably return man at the next level or anything like that, but I think he's someone that, you know, he's a veteran, uh, you know, has played in a lot of big time games. I feel like you want someone that's more reliable back there more than anything. I think that's what Tyreek Stevenson is. Like, I think he's a guy that's going to catch the puns. Uh, right. You know, he's not going to try to do too much on returns. Like we've seen at times too. Like, I feel like he's going to, that he's going to just be a guy that catches it runs North and South and whatever he gets, he gets, I'm not sure he's going to break one away for a touchdown, but you know, I think he's someone that you can trust back there. And I think more, more importantly than anything, it's about holding on to the football and not, and nothing like catastrophic happening. I think with Tyreek Stevenson, you feel like more at peace about what he's going to give you back there. Yeah. I'm cool with it. I think in the past I've, I've kind of compared him from a body type slash athleticism standpoint, 
in this punt return role uh, to KJ Osborne, you yeah. know, who wasn't necessarily like the quickest, shiftiest guy in space, but he was a strong body. He could kind of break tackles, like he could break that first yeah. tackle and then pick up yards after that first tackle. Uh, I think Tyreek is that kind of big, strong uh, guy. And once Tyreek does hit his top speed, he can move. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out as the season progresses. Uh, Xavier Restrepo is, is his backup at punt returner. So uh, anything else to add on Miami or should we take a break and jump in on the Alabama depth chart slash stuff surrounding yeah, the Crimson Tide? Let's jump into the Tide. Let's roll with the All Tide. Right, let's take a break. And on the other side, we'll get into Alabama. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Gabby. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if this is planned or not, but so Nick Saban and Manny Diaz both had their press conferences at one o'clock. Both programs released their quote unquote official depth charts within 10 to 15 minutes of each other. So I don't know if there's like a game of chicken going on in terms of these information wars in week one of football, but uh, Alabama also released their depth chart. Um, you know, I think some interesting insight there. Uh, some of the, the big ones to touch on, I think there's still a competition at center, um, which is interesting. It's a competition between Chris Owens, who I think is a six-year guy who has experience um, he, you know, going into fall camp, he was kind of thought of as like the shoe in, uh, but he is listed as an, or co-starter with Darian Dalcourt. Um, so, you know, that is a important position for any offense last year, the Crimson Tide had the best center in the country, uh, and Landon Dickerson. And he definitely was the anchor of that offensive line. And so the fact that Alabama might have some questions at that spot is interesting to me going into this game, staying on the offensive line, right tackle Kendall Randolph um, listed as the starter. I think that was kind of the assumption coming into camp, but Kendall Randolph did have some ankle issues, I guess that knocked him out of some practices and scrimmages that allowed uh, true freshman J.C. Latham, who is a five-star recruit, to get some time at right tackle. And I guess now Randolph is healthy. And, you know, the, the staff there has decided to go with the veteran in this game. Former tight end? How about that? I, re I realized that when I was researching him. Started six games at tight end last year. 
Yeah, I think it's more as like a blocking Blocker. tight end. Yeah, yeah I, I think 6'4", 298. I was like, there's no way this guy's right. catching passes. I think they would bring him as like an extra blocker tight end, you know, when they went heavy. Um, yeah. But certainly, you know, to your point, I don't think that's off the table if if we see J.C. Latham get in there. Yeah. I, th- I think they could also use Kendall Randolph as a blocking tight end again this year, um, depending on how the game plays out with the, the performance of their offensive line. Um, tight end, you know, I found it interesting. And Nick Saban's kind of taken him to task during uh, fall camp, but Jaleel Billingsley was not listed as the starter mm-hmm. at tight end for Alabama. You know, Billingsley is a very athletic tight end, uh, can be a weapon in the passing game. Uh, crazy stat with him, you know, he was maybe their fourth or fifth option last year in the offense because they were so stacked at the skill spots, right? Uh, but I think he was targeted 19 times, and he caught 18 of those targets. Yeah. That's just crazy efficiency. Um, and I do think, you know, he even though he's not listed as a starter, I kind of view that as a motivation tactic by Nick Saban. Uh, a lot of times when he knows he's got a talented guy that needs to be pushed, he'll do these types of things. So I, I think Jaleel Billingsley will still play a ton, even though he's not a starter, but they do list Cameron Leitu as the starter, who's kind of more of like a, a blocking tight end that is also athletic enough to make plays in the passing game. Um, so he's a guy. And honestly, I would, I would keep an eye on maybe two tight end sets being a thing in this game, depending again on how uh, Alabama's offensive line performs. I think the other interesting thing on the offense was Jamison Williams, the Ohio state transfer listed as a starter. Um, you know, Alabama wanted to add deep speed this off season to that receiving core. They felt like that was something that was missing at the end of last season in terms of once those guys moved on to the NFL, they landed Jamison Williams out of Ohio state who has tremendous deep speed. He's going to be their starter uh, on the outside there. Um, defensively, you know, Alabama rotates a lot of guys on the D line, but they, they listed Justin Abegbe and Fidarian Mathis as the starting defensive ends, uh, more run stuffers, edge setters against the run, but still big athletic body types that Miami will have to contend with. And then on defense, the other spot to know on the, in terms of depth chart, uh, Jalen Armour Davis, who is the uh, first team corner opposite of Josh Job, right? So to me, that's like the only question mark potentially on this Alabama defense. Um, Armor Davis has only played 92 defensive snaps in his career. He's out of the 2018 recruiting class. He was ranked the number 107 overall player in the country. So he is a guy that's talented, just hasn't played a bunch. Um, the thinking coming into camp was that he was kind of battling with Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, their five-star true freshman um, that will probably end up starting at some point this year. Um, But going into this Miami game, it appears like they're going to go with the veteran Jalen Armour Davis, see how he holds up. So Gabby, I know you looked at the depth chart for Alabama. Um, What was your, what stood out to you just looking at the depth chart, seeing it in black and white? Man, they're, they're big, uh, just a ton of blue chip guys. And just honestly, just kind of freaky good, man. Like that's a, that's a special defensive unit. You have a couple guys like, you know, 
I mean, you look at like Phil Mathis and Justin Ebogby, like, you know, I feel like the stats aren't going to blow you away. Like Phil Mathis, right. 30, 31 tackles, five tackles for loss. Like uh, Ebogby, 19 tackles, half a tackle for loss in 2020. You know, like, I feel like they had like, especially on the defensive line, you're, they're not maybe going to blow you away, like on the statistics, but you know, they always have these guys that sort of, like they're space they're not, eaters. Yeah, you know? they're, these are space eaters. These are just massive human beings. Like they run right. that three, four uh, sort of defensive front set. And you're going to have Will Anderson coming off of one side. Right. You know, you got a, just a bunch of dudes out there that are just like, it, it's going to be a challenge up front for Miami. I'm glad offense is going to be the strength of the strength of this team because you're definitely going to face one of the strongest defenses that, yeah. uh, you know, you're going to see in the country. And that's secondary, you know, with Job, uh, Jordan Battle. Uh, Malachi Moore, you know, those guys, those guys are just all freaky talented too. So um, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting uh, look for De'Aaron King in that offense for sure. Going up against those guys. In terms of injuries on Alabama, it looks like uh, safety DeMarco Hellams, who I, you know, is their starting safety. He's kind of classified as, I guess, questionable. I, I think it's an ankle, but I'm not sure. Uh, but if he's unable to go, I guess that would be Daniel Wright, um, who's a South Florida native, would kind of get pushed up into that starting role. I think Daniel Wright, he, he's played a bunch of snaps in the past. He played a bunch last year. I think he would rotate in anyways. Um, but certainly DeMarco Hellums is an excellent safety. If, if he's unable to play, it would certainly be a, a, a little bit of a drop off because I, I think Daniel Wright is good in his own right. Um, but he's just not as good as DeMarco Hellams. Um, I guess, you know, when you look at, let's just talk general early week, you know, we've just started kind of digging in on Alabama. What, um, from a Miami standpoint, give me your one key that you're like, okay, this is the area of the game that I want to focus on because I think it might, have a big role in determining the outcome of, of this game. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I think for me, it's just Miami stopping the run. I mean, you got, I mean, I was just looking at the size of their running backs. I mean, you got Brian Robinson, who's going to be the starter, 6'1", 225. You got Trey Sanders, who's the number one, he was the number one ranked cornerback in, in his class, 6'1", 214. You got Jason McClellan, who's probably going to be the second or third guy, I guess, depending on how that falls, 5'11", 212. I mean, I just think that's a... Right. That's a big, those are big, strong backs. Um, you know, again, Corey Flagg, Keontra Smith, uh, Amari Carter. I think they're going to have their work cut out for them. So how Miami's able to stop the run, I think that's the key to the game for me, at least stopping that offense. I mean, you're going to have to rattle up Bryce Young, but I think they're going to try to lean on that run game to sort of open things up for him. So I think how Miami sort of handles that is going to be a big tell to, you know, how they're, how they're really able to going to hold up in this, in this matchup. I think that's going to be huge. Do you think Miami should sell out? to stop the run because obviously if you sell out to stop the run that makes you susceptible to those explosive downfield pass plays do you think it, it you know with the situation of, of Bryce this is his first start for Alabama yeah. new offensive line all that stuff do you think that's the right call to sell out to stop the run I mean I think Manny Diaz like maybe I don't know if you have to sell out completely but I think Manny Diaz does a good job of just being creative with blitzes. I think you need to show Bryce Young just very like maybe just complex looks that maybe he doesn't see very often just I mean I would sell out a little bit and just really force him to make a throw. Again, it's going to be his first start in an atmosphere that's probably going to be sold out. So, never played in anything like that before. 
I mean, I would try to put as much pressure in his face as you can early on. And if he really can make those throws, if he is who they sort of believe he can be, you're going to know that pretty early, I figure. And, um, you know, I think you sort of adjust, but I think you have to do your best to one, like make sure that you are not getting ran over and two, just really trying to make him uncomfortable and just get some early hits on him and just rattle him, rattle him up a little bit. I think that's a, I think that has to be how you approach that. I mean, otherwise, I don't think you can sit back because I think you let these backs come to you and I think that's going to be a problem. Yeah. I mean, these backs are, let's be real. They're, they're, some of them are bigger than Miami's linebackers. Yeah. Um, I think and, most of them are. <laughs> and all of them are faster. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup, but luckily it's not just the linebackers. I, you know, the defensive line play yeah. also plays a role into all this. And, you know, the corners coming off the edge can help contain as well. Um, I'll touch on um, – there's a couple ways I could go with this. I'll, I'll just touch on this point. I, you know, Rhett Lashley made it a point um, during his time with us uh, on Monday. He said, you know, he, he went back and watched Alabama's defense in 2020, you know, every single game. And I think there was this narrative because Alabama didn't start the year well on defense, that their defense wasn't very good. Uh, the whole season. That wasn't the case at all. Alabama's defense was good by the end of the year, you know, borderline great by the end of the year. Um, They held a lot of good teams under 20 points, which is very hard to do in modern college football. But he did note, you know, there was a couple games last year, uh, Ole Miss and, and Florida, where those teams did put up a lot of points against Alabama, right? Uh, and I think, you know, the Ole Miss game w- was fairly early in the season. The Florida game was the SEC championship game, right? Um, so different parts of the season. Uh, but Rhett said, you know, generally speaking, when you looked at those games, the, the one common trait that stood out uh, with those teams, Ole Miss and Florida, was that the wide receivers um, made contested catches. They went out and made a ton of plays on their own. He said Alabama had good coverage on a lot of those plays. Alabama had a lot of pressure on the quarterback on a lot of those plays. Uh, But Ole Miss and Florida had skill players that just went out and made plays. And, uh, you know, that we saw that last year against Clemson, right? So Clemson manned up Miami skill players and and Miami skill players couldn't handle it. so has there been growth in that regard from Miami school players? I need to see it before I believe it. Um, but that's going to be a big key in this game because Alabama is going to stack the box and leave their corners and DBs on islands with Miami's receivers and, and say, beat us. And, and we'll see if, if Miami uh, can beat them. And I remember, I mean, just even going back to like, again, just previous Nick Saban teams, like just looking back, like, when Texas A&M beat him during like, you know, the Johnny Manziel years, it was Mike Evans. That was, that was their guy that he was, you were able to throw it up and you know, he was going to come down with it. You know, he made things very difficult for um, the Alabama secondary. When Ole Miss beat him under Hugh Freeze, Laquan Treadwell was that guy that like, you know, they went to, and he was able to make those big time plays. Does Miami have that guy? I was just having this conversation with one of my friends because he's a, he's an Alabama alum. Like, I'm not sure. Like, does Miami have that guy that's going to be able to like, you know, make these big time plays down the field that it's going to, again, you're going to be covered. You're going to have like, you know, 
you're going to have to go make play. It's not like you're going to get behind a lot right. of these guys. Again, they're faster. These are some of the best defensive backs that, you know, that you will find across, you know, the high school college football landscape. Like these are those dudes you need to be able to just win a battle, like win, a, like just win a ball. And uh, who do you maybe think Charles, is Miami's best shot? I don't know. I mean, I feel like you, I mean, you go back to the, I, I guess it was the semi, the semifinal a few years ago when they played out when Oklahoma played uh, Alabama at Hard Rock Stadium. I mean, Charleston Rambo made a play on an absolute dime by Kyler Murray, where he like threw it like off his like off like one leg. Like you know, he was able to get behind the defense. Like, can Charleston Rambo get back to that like that sort of form where he can maybe be a guy that can win downfield? I mean, potentially. Um, right. Keyshawn Smith. I mean, if he can really stack the way that people say he can, like, can he be that guy again? But are they going to be able to win? Like, come down with those contested catches? I don't know. I right. think I, I think maybe they can sneak behind the defense. I don't know how many people are going to be able to do that, but I, I just, I'm not sure there's that guy that's going to go up and win a ball over a Josh Job right. or over a Jordan battle or any of these guys on the, on the boundary. Yeah. I think they'll have to win with speed. I yeah. agree with that point. And, um, you know, to your point of, you know, Charleston Rambo and Keyshawn Smith. So when I reference the Clemson game, right. Uh, on the flip side of that Clemson point, I make, uh, Charleston Rambo and Keyshawn Smith. Well, Keyshawn played a little bit, but he was, you know, playing in garbage time. Uh, and Charleston Rambo wasn't on Miami's roster. So it was an issue for Miami's offense last year, but this year's offense has different personnel at that outside receiver spot. And we'll see if they could step up. Again, Jalen Armour Davis, uh, to me, is like the only question mark on Alabama's defense. And uh, maybe those big plays can happen if Miami attacks him a little bit. So uh, anything else to touch on or should we get out of here? Now let's get out of here. All right. So hope you guys enjoyed that. We're going to have a ton more Bama talk here this week on the podcast. Huge game. We're excited for it. College football's back. Um, but yeah, thanks. To, thanks for listening, everyone. And until uh, next time, take care. Thank you.